0: And we are back. It is episode 19 of the Pro Painted podcast. Um, This is one of our hobby chat episodes. Um, I'm joined by Rob Ellis. How are you?
1: Good evening. I'm fine, thank you. How are you, Matt? Yeah,
0: very, very, very good. And um, this is probably one of the first um, Hobby Chat episodes that we've done where you've been a driving force uh, and you've actually organized um, this, this conversation. Yay. So, yay, yay for you doing something <laughs> other than just joining and rambling. Um, so, who have you arranged for us to speak with today?
1: Um, Bish, Bishmeister, the man, the myth, the legend. The master of mushrooms, the closed cap connoisseur, and all-around fun guy. <laughs> not that I, re- I, I, I thought that's that was written down from this morning. That's not <laughs> uh, got the reception that I'd hope it would have. But uh, yeah, Bish, welcome.
2: Thank you. Good evening, Rob. Thanks for the uh, splendid intro. And uh, good evening, <laughs> Matt.
0: I, yeah, it's a great to have I think when, when Rob mentioned it, it's a, a fantastic idea. Um, I mean, I most certainly have, I feel a little bit bad for Steve Foote. I do have him in the wings. Uh, we had a couple of um, failed attempts to record, but um, there's an awful lot of raw kind of conversations involved with that. And I think we just kind of had that recently with Jimbo and Mitzi stealing the limelight. So we will get you on sometime, Steve. So, but unfortunately, Bish is a pretty good guy to get on cheers um so you did um we i think you actually and rob did a little bit of a shout out um on twitter i don't know if you saw this rob just kind of any any questions um so i have got them in front of me and we'll reference back to those later so again thank you for everyone for well you know those people who in a very short period of time have just replied back to those you know requests for any questions really so that's always great um yeah awesome yeah, so, Bish, you want to give us a little bit of background on yourself? Obviously, don't don't go too crazy, um, but, you, you know, you're you're a pretty popular chap on the social media. Um, but, yeah, what's we'll kind of your background and what, what you're up to in AUS at the moment?
2: Okay, well, I, I started in the hobby uh, 30 years ago. So, um, back in uh, 88, uh, White Dwarf 110 first came out. Um, it had Space Marines on the cover. Uh, it was by Wayne England. Um so this might take a while. <laughs> no, I'm
1: joking. I mean, which was that? Because I've, I've got a I've got a stack of back issues here okay. in front of me now. Um actually which, which one am I looking at now? It's the one well, with the old
2: Well, Strangely one, four, one. they were blood angel space marines, but they were green. Oh and nice. Wayne oh, England. The one. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, he, he done it, it in pencils. Us, um, and uh, it's sort of it's sort of framed, isn't it, within the cover? Yes. Yep, that's the yep. one. Yeah, another one.
2: Yep, absolutely. Um, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so space marines
1: had um, they they did. Sorry to interrupt, but that's when they sort of back in the day when color you know they did color schemes for space marines that included camouflage.
2: They did stuff, indeed. Yeah, that, yeah, that absolutely. It. But they got rid of that because they said, "Well, space marines don't need camouflage." No, no. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've been involved in the hobby um, for 30 years, but I've really only been, um, I suppose you could say, social about the hobby for the past um, 10 years or so. That's a
0: good way of putting
2: um, it, I like that. Yeah, because, I mean, well, previous to that, it's literally me sitting in a room painting models, um, and, you know, um, I haven't had a, a big history of gaming, I've, obviously, I've had friends um, that are into the hobby, but not a massive part of the hobby. It was almost a bit like a closet hobby, you know. I I, I had a life other than this, and this was my um, my kind of way to de stress from uh, normal life, so to speak. And it's kind did of followed have... me through. Sorry. Sorry.
1: I um, know. I was going to say, did you have the, the you know the often told story of you know, getting into it when you were a bit younger, and then giving it him. up yeah and sort of drinking and social scene or oh, you're a weirdo like in gilmore just did it all the way through his uh
2: no I, I fit his life. yeah i fit into the weirdo category i've done it the whole <laughs> way through um funny enough and when i first went to university i uh i i took all my citadel miniatures with me For the three years that I was there, um, which was a bit random because they stayed in the boxes for the three years. um, (laughs) But, Uh, but, you know, they were there and they were a comfort to me and I painted them now and again. Um, But actually, uh, that's a pretty good segue because um, obviously I've been interested in art uh, my whole life. And um, I went to university and studied uh, model making and design. Um, uh, which was fantastic. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, it's a fantastic course. had an absolute blast at university doing the usual. and um, and then so I qualified um, as a model maker um, and then I went traveling around the world and uh, for about six years and I worked overseas as an architectural model maker uh, in Sydney and Dublin. Um, oh, and then I come back to come back to UK. And um, yeah, and completely changed occupation because uh, there wasn't the work in model making at the time. Um, so completely changed career, um, but continued with the hobbying, which you know right. I absolutely love doing.
1: That's um, that's really interesting. You say that it's, it's something that I've often kind of kind of guess lamenting is probably a, st- strong, a too strong a word, but certainly looking back on sort of uh, my time in school and at college, um, you know, with sort of art projects and D&T projects and all the rest of it. And sort of thinking, well, you know, it would have been, you know, you could have almost got, you know, you could get away with, you know, coming up with a big display board or really, you know, sort of really implementing your kind of hobby skills and honing them and using the the sort of the tools that you'd have to hand uh, in school to, to really sort of do something like that. And, you know, probably get really good grades off the back of it, and as you've done, gone on and had a career in it, and it's kind of you know it's, it's, you sort of think, well, quite if only I sort of known now, sort of known then what I know now, and been able to, I probably would have enjoyed school a bit more, you know, rather than sort of just going through the motions with a lot of
2: stuff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, for me, it. Uh, I mean, I don't work as a model maker now, um, um, but. You know, I really enjoyed the model making, but I, I will say, I mean, working as a model maker, uh, I worked in architectural model making, um, you know, it is a, a high pressure business with deadlines and yeah. it kind of takes the fun out of it. You know, it, it's good because, you know, you're giving, uh, you are being given architects plans and you have to build this model and, um, you know, generally they're quite interesting, Um And you have to work it out. So you're using – it's a job where you use your hands and you use your mind, okay, because there's a lot of uh, maths involved. There's a lot of critical thinking involved. Um, But you are under a deadline, and you're always under that pressure, uh, particularly if you're, uh, you know, either working for yourself or working for anyone, really. Um, So you don't get the chance to sit back and appreciate what you've done because as soon as you finish the model, literally – we would not clear our desk off, off and then you'd have another set of plans on your desk and they'd be like, right, okay, we need that in a week's time. So, and when I was doing that, I enjoyed my hobby less. Right. Because so, no, it was, similar, I'm sort not... of,
1: it was a similar sort of thing that you were doing. You didn't really sort of want to come home and sort of tackle your next project because you're so
2: burnt out through... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But now I'm always designing... Um, like model buildings or designing uh, new bits of architecture for um, a fantasy game, uh, you know, for AOS. I've got so many drawings, so many designs for um, tables themed around uh, different factions. I'm not going to get to make them all. I'm not going to get to make probably a tenth of them, Um, but I really enjoy designing them. Um and every yeah. now and again i I, I get round to making some of it and it's you know it's really rewarding.
1: do you think the um part of that is i mean I, and I think it's something that you know i'm I'm you know i've all, I always' like taken on sort of projects in in work in the past where you know you're sort of problem solving almost but it's almost that brainstorming process that I think i I probably enjoy the most which is why i you know i I think I'll probably come up with a conversion or something, you know, an idea for a conversion or, you know, get the basics sort of there and perhaps not see it through as much as I should because that's probably the part of the creative process that I enjoy the most. And I guess if you're doing it for, if you're being handed sort of schematics or plans where you're being told you need to make that, it's almost like someone else coming up with a conversion, giving you all the bits and going, right, just build that then. You know, you're not, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, haven't, you, you haven't, you haven't come up with that schematic yourself of you and thought this looks really cool. So kind of, it, it's, you're, you're being creative insofar as far as you're, you're physically creating something, but you haven't really been part of the initial process. Does that make
2: sense? Yeah, that no, one, that makes right? perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, ideally, I mean, there's different types of people. Some people like to uh, be given plans and build something um, off of that, but then there's that, um, there's the creative artist in some people that just wants to build stuff from scratch you know like yourself with your uh, with your um, scratch building models and your conversion work you know everyone, pretty much everyone else might just grab a stock model and add a few bits whereas you have pretty much built stuff from scratch and spent uh, months maybe years doing it
1: yeah. do you know funny you say that, today was the um, I had it uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I think I was looking for some other picture in, in my photos, but uh, it was exactly a year ago today that I shared the first work in progress picture of Bellicor. Oh, God, <laughs> Jesus! Um, wow. Oh. Yeah, yeah that was and I think it would have been the two day because uh, Face Hammer was a little bit later on in it was sort of it was the last weekend of September and going into October, wasn't it? It was the it was the the, the weekend just gone last year. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was the first sort of thing that I, you know, after Face Hammer had finished, I'd got home and thought, right, this is my next thing. But yeah, that's a, it's
0: been one year. Well, to put that in perspective, I bought You've my, painted about six armies. Well, I, paint, I bought my <laughs> Zinch army at Face Hammer and I took it to Face Hammer the following year, all fully painted in excess of a 2,000 point army. So,
1: well, not, I mean, well, the, no, the, the, the more, the more, uh, thingy, uh, Thing than that is, you bought it at Face Hammer and within six months won Best Army with it at South Coast.
0: Yeah, yeah that's what I, well. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I think you're selling yourself short with the year turnaround. It's that you're getting it done for pretty much Easter um, and, winning, and winning a coveted award with it. But yeah, no, it's uh, it was quite interesting to see. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's quite, um, it, it's kind of when, when you see some of the work that you've done, Bish, uh, with you know with with all the bits and bobs and and the the work in progress that you see and, and some of the amazing stuff that you've done it's uh, it makes a lot of sense that you you've uh, you've got a very strong background in that as far as you know not just the hobby side but what you've studied in and when it really shines through and you know it, it's sort of a you know looking back in for you know hindsights 2020 but looking at some of the stuff you've done you can really see that you know come to the fore especially with some of the stuff you do for and and that that wonderful empire sort of grand house slash bastion thing that you did that was that that was
0: amazing i think it's a a significant lack of bodging i think kind of (laughs) (laughs) separates the the hobbyist um away from those who you know have that more of a design flair um i think many of us you know we make cool stuff we're really happy with And, you know, we get some recognition for it, but you can always tell the difference between, you know, someone who's basically gone, I think this will work with this. Oh, shit, I put a nail through that. Um, Right. That doesn't work. Oh, the resin's not set. I'll just cover it in flock, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All these different ways we we just kind of paper over the cracks, really, where I think something that, you know, Bish puts together, most certainly from from an external view, very much seems very well thought the process is thought through which is yeah not very similar to what you do with your bellicor because literally i look at bits on it and i'm like i don't get how that's the faceplate of a chaos chariot on his torso it i don't it just doesn't compute. Like I'd glue that on <laughs> and smother it in green stuff and hope it look. Hope it looks decent. Um, before we get too much further, I just did want to give a, a quick shout um, out to our sponsors. Um, in particular, um, Curtain Games. Now um, they do have their next one day AOS event uh, coming up, which is Blood, Death, and Vengeance. Five, uh, of which I've been to the previous four so again Curtin Games um, in Crediton which is just outside of Exeter it's on Saturday the 8th of December so to me it's a pretty good day um, to do an event because Christmas is always a hectic time um, hence why Paddy ended up moving um, Age of Santa um so it's kind of early enough to kind of get your aos kick uh without being too close to christmas and obviously people have an awful lot of family commitments and things so do check that out it's an 18 pound ticket for a one dayer um they're doing heavy price support and everything so there's about 15 tickets left at the moment i myself need to pick mine up um but yeah do go and check that out. As always, website is CurtainGames.co.uk. Um, and then our next sponsor is somebody that Bish knows pretty darn well and something that uh, Rob's just mentioned. Uh, so that's so that's Merchant Miniatures. Um, so for those, just out of interest, um, we've had that leaked teaser of the Slanesh Sprues. Um, and then we've oh had, then had GW uh, obviously react to that pretty spontaneously um, and we've now seen a glorified shot of one of the new fiends of Slanesh. Um, the reason why I mention Slanesh is um, there's still a couple of people including uh, a guy I played at club last week who is kind of struggling with models for the Keeper of Secrets. Uh, Keeper of Secrets? Yeah, Keeper of Secrets. Um, obviously you've got the Exalted one which is very popular from Forge World um, but the GW model itself it still kind of has a very fond place in my heart but It's a tiny, teeny weeny model and... Now has kind of got to the the point where it has it hasn't aged very well. Um, But Mercia actually have uh, they actually have two versions really of the Lord of Change. They've got one that's actually for the Darklands game itself, and they have done a Bane Legions version, and I would recommend it if you pop into the Mercia website and uh, literally type in um, Keeper of Secrets, it should actually come up as the search terms as well. Um, I'll put some photos and a link up in the show notes. But for those people getting a Slanesh kick, um, and I mean I'm sure we're probably going to see a new Keeper of Secrets. Um, but you're probably gonna want more than one. So it gives you a little bit of variation. So do check them out. It's MershinHypher Miniatures dot Um and Bish, obviously you you know an awful lot about what they're up to, um because you've been working quite closely with them and you've been doing you've done like the display board specifically for was it Salute? Was that right?
2: Yeah, so I've provided their um participation uh Darklands Game board mm-hmm. uh, for the last three salutes.
0: Oh, wow. Um, I, I clicked it. Was that that many?
2: Yeah, I, essentially, I, I went to salute, I think, four years ago, first time, and I just got into motion miniatures. Went over to the stand and I, I looked at the models and I thought, wow, these are fantastic. And they had the worst <laughs> gaming table right. I've ever seen. It was literally a piece of MDF, flocked. With some rocks stuck to it, and I just thought, you know, that that's that needs to be better. So, I, I mean, it's it's a good way for me to get things done because I I do them for the Darklands game, but they're they're my boards. Oh right. Or they're okay. my, they're, they're my tables. So I, I don't work for Mercia. Um, I I use it as an opportunity to build a really fantastic table that I'd like to build. Um, but I do it for their Darklands game. Sure. And then I, I take it down to salute every year. And um, I try and come up with something different every year. Um, do you
1: think, just can I interject there slightly? Yeah. Just a, a bit, bit of thing. Um, do you think that that, going back to what you said um, when, during the introduction, do you think that that's um, actually quite a happy medium between. Um, you know, the the job where you're given architectural plans, you've just got to, you're, you know, you haven't been part of the creative process, you've just had to knock this thing out. or And then you've got the other end of the scale, which is, you know, your own sort of personal project where you've, you know, you've picked an army, you've, you know, you've converted them, you've got a specific theme in mind, um, and you're having to sort of come up with a board to fit that. With, with the Mercia stuff, it's kind of that middle ground where you've, you perhaps got a theme that's been dictated by the models that they've created. So you kind of know you've got, a, you've already sort of got a flavor for how you're going to approach it, but then you've still got the free reign to do what you want to do with it. Do yeah. That's no, a, it's,
2: That's exactly that. You've hit the nail right on the head there um, because I am the creative force behind it. Yes, there are some restraints in that. It has to fit in with um, the Dark Age of Britain. Um, however, Darklands is a fantasy Dark Age, so you can ramp up the fantasy a bit. Um, yeah. you know, with the the architecture.
1: Although, if you think they've about got, it, they've it, got very much like fitted like their armies are very. From what I've, I have and what we sort of uh, listening to sort of previous podcasts that Matt and. Um, uh, I can't remember his name now. Chris <laughs> did with uh, the Black Sun. Oh wow! Um, the, the, you know, haven't they? Aren't there sort of certain armies that are from certain parts of? Is, is that Darklands where you've got yeah. the the, the, yeah. like the Dukes? Is it and stuff like that? Yeah. So you've got a kind, you've got an overall sort of army theme similar to your Blood Bounds or your Iron Jaws or something. But then you you sort of got a bit more free reign to where you're going to set that piece in, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Darklands game is set within Britain. I mean, it can you go to other parts here, but mostly it's in Britain. And if you think it's set around the year 650, and if you think of all the, the, the different tribes that were just in Britain at the time, yeah. um, you know, you had the, the Picts up in Scotland, you had the Iran in Ireland, you had the Bethuniad in Wales, um, you yes. had the Cornish. You have the Anglekin, who, um, you have the, the Angles, the Saxons and the Jutes. you have the Norse, the Danes, um, you know, there's so much scope for uh, the different kindreds, uh, and also their, uh, their kind of uh, idiosyncrasies, you know, uh, yeah. a lot of them are uh, shapeshifters, so a lot of the Anglekins are shapeshifters. Um, or the the Norse, they have Jotun, which are giants, and they have trolls. Um, and it's it's a really really rich. If you can imagine looking at the Dark Age history, but adding in all the mythological beasts and all the legends, and they're real. That's what Darklands is. So. Creating, yeah, yeah, no, and this is. I mean, I love the Dark Age, and I love um, Anglo-Saxon art, and it's a real period of history that I'm interested in. And to actually add fantasy to that for me is, uh, you know, a, a dream genre. Um, but also, if you look at um, Britain at that time in history, it was after the fall of the Roman Empire, so there's this massive Roman ruins all about uh, Britain. There's um, Anglo-Saxon Great Halls there's um, Viking or Norse um, settlements so there's there's lots of scope for um, uh, to um, create an environment uh, like a fantasy environment within that It's going to sound really weird but I,
1: I um, really love growing up one of the sort of uh, biggest things and I always used to get one for Christmas and I always used to get one for my birthday but it was the old Asterix books And um, obviously that's, obviously Darklands is set probably a little bit after that because obviously the Roman Empire is still sort of live and kicking. But I used to love that because they used to sort of each book was, you know, set in a different part of the world and had nods to different sort of, uh, you know, points of of cultures and stuff like that. And really kind of sort of flesh, I know it's only a cut. I mean, it sounds a bit silly to say, but, you know, that is quite a good um, thing for kids to read, to get an idea of history in that regard.
2: And, uh, well yeah, it's it's like it's kind of history and culture isn't it because yeah. the romans had a very different culture to say the anglo-saxons and it's it's um, it's kind of broadening children's minds to um, to look beyond say the country they're in and to appreciate different cultures i suppose
1: and that's you kind need of need more than that we need more than that and more than that on earth mate i think Yeah. <laughs> not to get too political it's not a political podcast might i do apologize Make it as political as you want, mate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, um, no,
2: so... Yeah, so for, for the salute board, um, I, I created a, a sort of generic, uh, valley, uh, board. And then, and that was a four-by-four four board. And then the following year, I extended that by, uh, another section, which made it a six-by-four-foot board that added in a ruined Roman temple. Um... Yeah, and that went down really well. Um, a lot of people were really, really pleased to see it, um, which was obviously very satisfying for me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um, and you know it was, funnily enough, um, the Roman columns on that um, on that table, I've had for since I was at university. So oh, that's wow. 20 years. Yeah, I made them from scratch when I was at university as as one of my uh, models that I made. Um, and I finally got around to using them on a model. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that must feel good. If only, if, if only those columns could talk, eh?
2: <laughs> yeah, well well, they've been in a box for twenty years. It's <laughs> so, a bit of a horror story on show.
0: Sure. <laughs> awesome. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, so it was it was interesting kind of getting your insight on that and it does sound like they literally made a game just to uh just to appeal to you really. So it did. And yeah. you got and they've uh, obviously you've helped them out doing the display boards, which is awesome. That's brilliant.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I haven't even talked about how amazing their models are, and I don't need to do that because you just need to look at them to yeah. know. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're a very interesting. I was I was having a conversation with um, Graham Shirley at Facehammer um, the other week uh, about the models there. They they also take a very different approach to to painting them as well uh, to what we're used to with GW models because um, nowadays GW models they're, they're kind of they go through a 3D process and they're nice to paint you get a lot of crisp edges a lot of very very defined detail um, which is brilliant so a lot of the skin for example you'll have kind of flat mus- uh, musculature almost like a comic kind of kind of style um, in regards to kind of the, the flatness you get with the detail and not in a bad way but then when you get Get, you get a, a immersion model suddenly you've got so many textures to paint because the detail the models are so detailed they literally look like they could have been you know could have walked out of a book you know a fantasy illustration almost like a like a black and white kind of pencil illustration. There's so much detail, so just suddenly we're not used to it anymore. It just takes such a different approach to to painting these kind of models, and it's a, it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Because um, Forge Worlds still a little bit like that as well, so there is there is still kind of that yeah, divide between. To say, yeah kind of forge world models and, and gw models um you know and they're both fantastic in their own way not, not 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 saying either one isn't like but they do you know if you get used to, if you're painting a gw army for a year and then you go to paint some merchant models you're like shit how do i do this again i've got a line <laughs> highlight all these creases all the in the skin it all looks like leather and everything it's yeah it's brilliant but a whole different set of skills
2: yeah and but just on that when i sort of first picked up the merch miniatures and i first took the plunge to paint one uh, it was quite a large model it was probably a 100 mil model and going from painting 28 uh, 30 mil models to a 100 mil model is a completely different set of skills that you're going to be using you have to go about it in a completely different way and yeah and i had to kind of um, I, I paint those models differently, or with different techniques than I would paint a a much smaller model.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, most yeah. certainly with the, the bigger models, as you say, you can use different approaches and some of the techniques that you would like to use on smaller models, which looks great. Just don't translate to larger models. Um, no. Fortunately for me, large models like airbrushes, so I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, they I'm, do. <laughs> I, I'm quite happy most of the time. Um, so. Yeah. What we'll do there, we'll we'll take a quick break since we've given given all the shout-outs. I did want to say, just as a reminder and actually a shout-out, really good um, episode of Face Hammer went up recently um, in regards to their coverage for Eggs and Blackout. I mean, Face Hammer is my go-to gaming podcast that I listen to. Um, You know, It kind of reminds me of the old, old days, kind of Black Sun, with all the gaming stuff in there as well. But they do a great little section on gaming etiquette, Uh, I just wanted to highlight to people who may be listening, if you're interested in the idea of kind of how to kind of improve the way you play your game and how you communicate and get things across to people while playing, go and have a listen. Um, It's something I'm actually taking on board as well with like dice etiquette. So one of the things they talk about and I'm trying to use going forward is, say you've got 10 attacks and you roll all your dice. So you roll your dice. What I've always done is I've picked up my misses. and then I I roll my hits. So what they say is actually put the hits to the side and then get some fresh dice. So get seven seven dice if you've hit seven times, then roll those. Because then later, if then the opponent goes, oh no, you minus one to hit, you don't have that awkward situation of having to re-roll your dice. They're actually still sat there looking at you. So just a little thing. Yeah, I think it's really worth picking up. Um, But specifically, the reason why I wanted to mention is they talk a lot about um, using tokens to track uh, abilities in game. So obviously... It's a big part of why I've done pro painted studios and doing what I'm doing. Um, Such a smooth
1: segue, there. You tell yourself, <laughs> <first> thing, <laughs> you? I can't help it. I can't
0: help it. Um, but you know, it, it's I, I've I've been to tournaments and it's happened again. Um, Face hammer on playing people and especially now with the realm rules, people are stacking all these, all these buffs and everything on units and you get to like the charge phase and people just forget stuff, you know, just for ease of you remembering stuff and your opponent kind of understanding what you're doing. It's massive. So that's why pro well, I, Studios exists. From a newbie, sort of
1: a, from a non, like, you know, full on competitive gaming standpoint. Um, so sort of juxtaposed with what Matt's just sort of said about gaming. Um and it relate. I mean, I guess it kind of relates to more experienced players as well, because GW are releasing so many new armies all the time. Yeah. You know, and, and people are picking up on you know the meta the meta's, meta, Look at me talking about the meta the meta's <laughs> shifting. All, 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 well, it is, isn't it? Do you no, know what mean? <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, there's changes to armies, there's FAQs, and I, th- I think that you know it's getting to the point where you know gaming aids like that. Are becoming more and more of a necessity because of how quick the sort of landscape's changing. It's not like you don't have a book, you don't have one book for you know a particular army, you know uh, for for a couple of years, and you know all the sort of tournament goes get to know how, how that book works. You know, you've got all these new armies coming out, and you know uh, even the most experienced players will you know will tend to forget bits and bobs here and there. I would have thought
0: yeah you know they're an aid to memory um, but what I wanted to say is um, when this episode goes out um, we'll have a new product up on the website which is um, a range of dials uh, specifically used with all the summoning mechanics um, so nice simple two dials magnetised shouldn't need any any glue or anything and you just record everything on them so as a each player I've got to do fake points I've got to do blue horror points I've got to do brimstone points so there's three different dials so they'll be up um, and as always there's if you listen to the podcast uh, you can use the, 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 the code which gives you five percent off, which is Pro Painted Podcast at the checkout. Um, but yeah, no, do please check us out and listen to that episode of Face Ham. It's a particularly good episode with some really good insights of uh, not talking about a gamey way of playing, but just saying when you are playing, just making everything as clear as possible. Um, so we'll, we'll take a little break there, and then we're going to crack straight into uh, Rob's in-depth, um, almost a bisection um, interview of Bish. He's going to expose all his <laughs> secrets. Right, back in a sec. And we're back from that little break. Um, So I'm going to hand over the podcasting reins to Mr Ellis. And, um, yeah, so start your interview. Go! Right.
1: Um, So, yeah, uh, as we just said off air then, um, you know, I've got my show notes. And uh, uh, as always, when you sort of get into these sort of conversations, it kind of preempted uh, a lot of uh, what I was going to ask with uh, you know Bish and sort of you know his background and where you know how did he uh, get into the hobby. But I guess the main thing is uh, you know we're going back. Let's, let's sort of wind it back a little bit. What kind of games? Obviously, you mentioned um, you know you've been doing it for thirty years, but what you know specific, not necessarily just just GW stuff, but what kind of games? did you start going on and what, what kind of point did you think, right, well, I'm going to, you know, sort of, I, you know, get into the terrain side and, and and all of that. Obviously you mentioned about your job and all, all the rest of it, but what kind of, how did that feed into your hobby? What kind of, what were your inspirations? And 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 so sort of how did that translate across?
2: Okay. Well, there's, there's a few questions in there. I'll start with the the first one. So what, what games um, am I into or have I been into? Uh, the original one I got into was uh, Road Trader, Warhammer 40,000. Um, I didn't really know how to play it, but a friend of mine apparently knew how to play it, and he told me the rules, and he won every game, but yeah, it was good fun, <laughs> <buddy>, you know. <laughs> that old chestnut, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I played that for a few years, and, and I uh, played the original Blood Bowl uh, a few times. Then Space Hulk came out, and, and I played loads of Space Hulk. I uh, still play Space Hulk. Um really did you really have enjoy- the um
1: did you play the, the first edition with the one piece terminators and with the the little sort of flamer that you'd fit over the top of the stormbolt and turn it into a special weapon
2: that, yeah, that, that version was, of it that was the original version and that yeah, was yeah. um yeah, that was by Richard Heliwell. and I think that was released in '89, uh, 1989. Yeah, yeah, um, well. Yeah, I've still got it, and I've got the expansions, Deathwing and Gene Sealer as well. Oh, um, still got all the original models. How um, cool was the, the story? The the, uh,
1: the story that went along with Deathwing on that. Yeah. The uh, the, the, the Bonner drawings. Yeah, 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 amazing that was that.
2: Yeah, because. Back then, the Dark Angels were based on Native American um, images. That's right. Sorry, yeah. I said
1: Red Indians. Then that was really um. Did you? <laughs> yeah, Native
2: Americans.
1: Yeah, I, I remember that story well, and it it was. I think it was probably the first time that I sort of saw or sort of was aware of kind of like personal heraldry on the Terminators and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, with 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 all the stuff on the sort of shoulder pads and that. I remember there's that white dwarf cover with. Uh, I think it was a Wayne England piece of artwork of the, the one of the Terminator captains.
2: Yeah, He's that's that's um, that's White Dwarf 122, I believe. Oh, blimey! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a Wayne England um, yeah. Uh, painting, yeah. Bishop, we've got Bishopedia here. Christ, it's like yeah.
0: Bishop, Bishopedia White Dwarf Archives.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: no, yeah, I, yeah, that was awesome.
2: So um, yeah, and say I've been collecting the White Dwarf magazine um, since 1988. Um, still enjoy Space Hulk, and actually um, I've I've never had a really um, I've never spent a lot of time playing games. Um, I've always been um, a hobbyist. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy playing the games, but. I, I always want to play the games with fully painted models, and it takes me a long time to paint the models.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think if I'm playing the game, I'm not painting the models. So it's a bit of a catch-22 for me. But, you know, I, recently I, I turned 40, and I said, I need to play more games. Um, so I've been making a concerted effort to play more games. And um, uh, there's a guy, Nick Shepard, who's uh, Dr. Dabbler on Twitter, um, he comes around for a, a regular gaming session. Um, we we uh, play Blood Bowl, um, Space Hawk, and we've just started um, Silver Tower, actually. So that's that's been going really well. And oh, nice, nice. Yeah, and Nick himself, he's a really great hobbyist, and he's painted all the models for Silver Tower. Um, and he's um, really um, done a fantastic job on that. And it's so nice to play uh, a game with fully painted models.
1: Yeah, that was that was one thing with the Silver Tower. I think um, I'm pretty sure I saw it on the uh, the Battle Foam uh, website. But they do um, like foam cutouts for a lot of the GW box games, so yeah. you can sort of put the foam in the actual box that it comes in, and it's got spaces for all the miniatures and all the cards and everything. And I really like that idea of just having the box set that's just fully painted. That um, you know, that you can just pull it in, almost like a board game, but, you know, a, 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 obviously a, a GW or sit-down miniature-based board game that you can kind of, it's just all in, it's all in one place. You know, it's a lot, there's no hassle sort of getting it set up. But, yeah, I think um, when you said about, you know, gaming, I mean, I'm the same, and, I, you know, there's no sort of negative connotation to it at all, but when I say the gaming is my least favourite bit of the hobby... That's not to say I dislike it, I think a lot of people sort of misconstrue that statement sometimes, but um you know saying that it's the thing I love the least about something that I love greatly.
0: is it easy still, to say it's the thing you're shittest at um
1: potentially <laughs> i i I'd, I'd argue I'd argue that I'm shitter at finishing projects than I am at gaming, okay. I, th- I think that's probably a fair statement. But yeah, thanks for that interjection there, Matthew. It made me feel really confident. Well,
2: well just, yeah, just, on that, just on that statement, it's, you know, some people spend a lot of time reading the rules, knowing yeah. their army book inside out, knowing all the tactics. That's all the time that they're spending doing that. They're not spending on painting. Now, it's, you know, it's what you, it's what you want get out to of it, focus it? on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, inevitably... If you focus on painting, your gaming may suffer unless you're you've got lots of time and you're very good at both.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it's um, that's 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 why I'm always you know there's uh, you know I think I like you said that everyone's got their sort of priority of, uh, you know what they enjoy most about the hobby and I I think um that's one of the you know it's sometimes sad to see on social media where ones being sort of uh, downplayed uh, in favour of another, both ways. Do you know what I mean? I think you know there's a, you know, it's a bit of a rabbit hole conversation to go on about things like soft scores at tournaments and all the rest of it. And you know, I think uh, you know when when people have a, an opinion one way or the other about you know what they prefer, you know, about the hobby and what they'd rather see at events. I don't think there's a right or wrong. Answer to any of those kind of discussions. It's just, it's just you know, it's it's uh, it's just what people want to get out of the hobby, you know. And I think it's more of a you know it's a, whether it's just the nerd culture in general where you got keyboard warriors that like a pop. Um, but I think uh, there should be more of a live and let live kind of mantra to to the hobby. And you know, if people enjoy the ho- you know, enjoy the painting side of things and they you know take ages to churn out an army, yet yeah. You know, perhaps aren't so great at the, the thing. Then there's events for those type of people, and then there's you know if people just want to speed paint up a, an army to get it through a tournament pack because they want they enjoy the gaming. Then that's equally as valid as a, a place to be. you know?
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And but as you say, there's there's events and tournaments that cater to all these needs. So you just yeah. go to what go to what you think you're going to like
1: exactly exactly
2: okay cool so um
1: so you went through obviously the games that you went through what kind of led you to what i mean because you know there's there's loads of stuff i mean I, I always looked at um especially when forge rod did their zone mortalis stuff and i've got mm-hmm. a few friends on on uh twitter and facebook that love the uh, you know kill team and all the rest of it that's been released it's been like a necrom you know the re-release of Necromunda, having those sort of smaller war bands and creating dedicated terrain. There's a, a lot of people that, you know, I, I know that love all that kind of thing. Is that, what sort of games influenced you the most insofar as actually wanting to go ahead and do the sort of the lovely terrain and boards that, you, that you've that you gone and done?
2: Um, well, on the, just on the, the release schedule of Games Workshop and all the fantastic games that they've been putting out, all of it appeals to me. Yeah. Every single part of it. You know, I I was into Necromunda when it was Confrontation, yeah, uh, when it yeah. was a role-play game. And, Which White Dwarf was that released in? Uh, God, um, I, I, I don't know. It's got to be in the oh, 120s, no. 120s, 130s. I'm i think maybe. Oh, hang on, hang on. I think it was the one where there's a Blood Angel Space Marine on the front, and it's Necromunda. He's got Necromunda written on his shoulder pad, and he's shooting some scabbies in the face. Oh, yeah I know the one
1: it's, 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 it's an outdoor set he's, he's on a yes. he's on a raised stairwell he is
2: yeah, a, yeah, I know yeah. The one. I, I think it's in the 130s um's see but yeah I mean it's it's all beautiful and it's all inspiring I'd love to do it all but you know you you have to you have to draw the line somewhere
1: do you remember that um, I think one, one of the um the biggest sort of inspirational pieces of artwork from that time is the uh the pencil drawing of a of a hive. Do you remember that picture? And it's got the uh, it's sort of like a. And it, and Is it, it like the cutout? The, yeah, and you've got the cutaway of it, and yeah. then you've got like the little sort of cutaway of the hive clusters and stuff like yes. that. I thought that was
2: yeah, yeah.
1: You know that was that was amazing. Just sort of sense of scale that you yeah uh, it, it gave the game. It was uh you know sort of going against you know that you you know sort of in direct contrast to the fact that it's a small gang sort of set up I thought that was a brilliant uh, brilliant bit of game design so yeah, yeah confrontation Christ showing our age there Bish
2: yes yeah but again <laughs> you know that kind of goes back to the whole reason that we're doing this it's, it's the escapism it's yeah, you're immersing yourself in a, a completely different environment or world and there's a completely different narrative and that kind of larger look at the, the the hives is irrelevant to the game you're playing. However, what that does is creates the narrative for that uh, and puts it all into context. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we're all doing it because we're all... I mean, we all... I'm sure we all love sci-fi films and we all, we all want to step inside that. And this is kind of what we're doing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably the... Um... I, and I, I don't know if you both agree, but I think that was probably where you know, in, in you know, especially in the last couple of years, sort of games actually had a bit of a misstep with what how they released AOS was that it wasn't, you know, it was it you know that obviously they had the intro book, uh, you know, the sort of you know it's about the size of a big uh, an old style. I'm looking at my shelf now because you know it's quite a big hefty book. But, um, you know, compared to what they've done now with the realms and all the rest of it, they didn't frame it as well as they have done with previous things, I don't think. And I think that's probably why, you know, probably, you know, especially amongst the, the more creative side of the hobby and of the community, that's probably where a lot of the backlash might have come from, was it was not only was, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily you know, the death of the old world and people missing that sort of thing because you can always go back and revisit that anyway. But it was the fact that it probably wasn't, the the new stuff wasn't framed as well from the start. I don't know if you perhaps agree with that. But I think since, you know, the introduction, the the great stuff with AOS2 was looking through the rule book and having those illustrations of the different realms, but also the illustrations of the different, guys in those realms you know and the the the, the civilizations that, that sort of evolved living in those places and i think that's very comparable to that sort of picture of of the necromander hive is it gives that overall kind of theme of of something and, and frames it a bit better than perhaps when it was first launched
2: yeah well it's it's the fear it's the fear of the unknown it's going from something that you know inside out and that's been going for 30 odd years and there's Countless stories and maps and pictures uh, and and background for and, and then you go to.
1: There's also a lot of like touch points in going back to what you said about the Mercia stuff. There's a lot of touch points that are, are based in actual real things, isn't there? You know, yeah, you the, could relate to. You've, them. Yeah, you have got the you know the old world was practically Earth, wasn't it? You know, with the well, yeah, it was Northern Europe the the geography. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so, you know, you're going from that that you're very familiar with and, you know, introducing change of any sort is incredibly difficult and you're going to always upset a lot of people. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that they went to uh, the appropriate people, uh, you know, some change consultants and, uh, you know, worked out how they were going <laughs> to do it. Often the the best way to introduce uh, change is is just to completely destroy what was there before and and start anew. And, yes, yeah. you will lose some people along the way, but those that jump on board, you know, soon realize that they can be part of the creative process. And that's kind of what's happening with uh, GW and the GW community now, in that they're embracing the community, and and actually maybe the community is influencing um, Games Workshop Um, and their creative process.
1: Yeah, I think it's also uh, that different generations have their version of something, don't they? Yeah. Um, You know, and and it's funny, actually, a brief aside, I watched, I don't know, I think it was on a suggested thing on Facebook, but it was a a video of um, sort of youngsters, like I'd say, sort of kids, basically watching like old transformer cartoons which are amazing uh, yeah which are which are awesome and which we love and hold dear to our heart (laughs) but but they you know they were looking at it as if what you know what's this you mean the movies weren't the original you know that that's you know the, the the movies you know uh for better or for worse are their sort of jump on point for that
2: yeah, that's that reference world. point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
1: and and you know you can have people, you know, you can have people in five, six, seven years time, all they've known is AOS. You know, as yeah. kids coming into the hobby, you know, and yeah,
2: yeah,
1: they're, they're gonna they're gonna look at the old stuff and think, oh Christ, is that what is that what Harkon used to look like? Is that what the Greater Demons used to look like? Is that what you you mean the world was based on on Northern Europe? You know, sort of, you know, we're used to all these realms and all the rest of it, and and they're going to look back. So I think you're right, having that sort of break from the narrative almost, and sort of almost resetting it has helped. I think they're on a roll now as well. You know, the iOS 2.0 stuff that they've they've done is great. And I mean, you, what are your sort of thoughts on 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 where things are going at the moment? I know that obviously there's a faction that you hold dear to your heart that have had. You know sort of uh, glimpses and teases of an update how do you sort of see your uh, beloved uh, moon clan are you excited for the new stuff that's coming out for that
2: uh, yeah absolutely I've seen the um, is it the shade Spire or whatever it's called now um, the, uh, the 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 uh, the models been released for that yeah. which are great i um, will certainly be picking up I think they're released this Saturday actually so I'll certainly be picking them up one, um, one
1: thing I was going to say about that, and I, I don't know if it, 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 it seemed—it's um, got—I've got it actually on my show notes. But the um, obviously you have got the Moon Clan. Obviously they, they teased, didn't they, in that little video of the Shade Spire releases that are going to be coming out, and you've got the obviously the uh, the Nighthorn and the, the Stormcast and the Moon Clan and the Zeench that we've all seen models for. Yeah. There were there are Dark Oath in there, I think. There are Silverneth as well. Um, that troll yeah and and that was the, the biggest thing was you see the picture of the troll and that, that's the one that they teased the model a lot of with all yeah. the sort of fungus and the, all the rest of it over it do you think it's weird that they've separated that and potentially what can come along with that warband that's more fungoid cave shaman sort of themed they separated that from the moon clan do you think they're going to be two separate releases or two sort of sort of bits in the same faction. How do you think they're going to handle that? Because I would have thought that they, you'd have had a couple of little grots um, and then, you know, in the same war band, having that Trogoff that we've already seen, you know, but mm. it seems like they're two different.
0: Well, they're not, to interject, the actual off is he still has that design cue and those elements. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the gang that he's in apparently is like, think of them like mercenaries, they're like a... Like a ramshackle bunch of a couple of idiots that get together and decide to go into the vaults. That's the idea behind uh, So, right, different okay. elements. Uh, apparently, there's like a couple of mushrooms, literally a few mushrooms, and a couple of different bits and bobs. Um, oh, awesome! But yeah, that's, they're kind of that's supposed to be like a random collection. It's almost like a troll walked through a cave and just some random stuff just started following him.
1: All oh, right, awesome. I didn't realise that. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, it, it, is there any sort of things that you have? on your wish list for that new uh, for that new release as and when it arrives
2: um, I hope they don't bring too much out because <laughs> inevitably I'm gonna buy it and yeah. I'm gonna you know have to paint it and i've got I've got like over a hundred uh, moon clan grots that are all been uh, kitbashed and undercoated and, uh, and that are waiting to be painted and have sat on my painting shelf uh, for about two years now so since I the army. So you know i kind of finished the army and because the idea is um to have a squig battalion which is the one i've completed uh, then uh, the idea was to have a troll battalion so i'd have uh, i've i've got about 25 river trolls which i painted in the blue color um and you know i've used fanatics on them and they're flinging fanatics about and a lot of them have been converted or, or kibashed. Um, and then if I finished that, the next one was going to be the Spider Battalion. So essentially it would be a bit like yourself, Rob, where you're doing the Chaos Army, different yeah. elements, but it will be one massive cohesive army. Um, I was, the plan was to do that with the, the Moon Clan Grots. Um, but, you know, when you finish an army, you think, oh, you know, I, I really fancy painting something different now. So, yeah, 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 it's something I'll go back to. So, I think you'd uh, um, be, I, I be... Sorry, go on. No, I would say, so I am really excited to see what they come out with and I'm, I'm absolutely certain it's going to be beautiful um, and it's probably something I'm going to buy. Uh, I've been pretty good in resisting a lot of what they've released re- recently. Oh yeah, you and
1: I both.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really like the night haunts and I've got a, a, a colour scheme in my head that I would paint them and I think it would look really nice. Um... I've got a massive beast man army um, that's all converted every single model has got dreadlocks um, oh nice yeah and and you know I, I started that 10 years ago um, and I've just bought the, the Beasts of Chaos book um, because I thought well maybe um, but we'll see but then I've got all these merchant models um, which are piling up and I, I'm quite prolific with them in painting them um, but still, I'm buying more than I can paint. So, I don't know where I'm going with this. I think this is every 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 hobby dream and nightmare rolled into one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, moving on from that, I mean, what kind of? Um, I mean, obviously, there's you, there's there, there's a few sort of standout um, things that you've done that you know that I that if someone were to say your name, I don't immediately kind of. Uh, sort of think of and and just wanted to sort of get an idea of, of the sort of thought process behind them. And what what I mean it, again, having spoken to you about your um, your sort of your previous occupation and your, and your training and, and things like that, it, it's it's always something that's that's kind of you know you can see where where the inspiration may have lied. But that the empire sort of grand mansion that you did, I mean certainly would would take quite a place in. Any sort of uh, you know swanky uh, business developments foyer as you walked in. I know they you know that's a very sort of uh, cliche thing for um, architectural models to have the building in the foyer, so that, you know as, as visitors come in they can see it. And again, you you know that Empire building is very much like Matt Matt said. You know it's uh, certainly not a bodge job. That's that that that's that's a that's an architect's kind of eye right there what what kind of inspired you to come up with that project? was that done for something specific or was it just a a labor of love that you just thought you'd you'd do
2: well no what it was I'd um I'd been traveling and when you're traveling particularly for the amount of time I was it is difficult to work on big projects because you're moving from place to place and uh, you just don't have the infrastructure like the machines that you would use or the tools. So when I came back to the UK, I said to myself, right, okay, I want to build a really, really nice model. And I wanted to build Machine a model. accomplished. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to build a model which epitomized the Warhammer world as I saw it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, Warhammer was the empire, um, yeah. and it's. I wanted to make something that when you looked at it, it looked it looks like it could exist. But then when you look close, you think, oh, actually no, this is this is Warhammer. So it's kind of warts and all, um, and there's some crazy details uh, with the, the chimneys, um, all the, uh, all, it's all kind of falling to pieces, and it's all a bit. Um, um, it's all been built upon in different stages. So I wanted to show some sort of chaotic form in it. Um, yeah. And essentially that was me, I suppose, showing off. It, it was me testing to see what I could do with my skills and my creativity. Um, and I was just, I was actually in a lecture at uni um, one day. Uh, this is when I was studying to be a nurse. And the lecture wasn't particularly good and I just started doodling um, and I carried on doodling and then I ended up with a drawing that looked like the Berg of Meister's mansion after a a few months of of redrawing and drawing. Um, Not all in lectures, I have to say. I I did. That was probably (laughs) the only lecture I didn't pay attention to. Um, And then when I got to a stage where, Um, I designed the building they always start off small and then they end up going crazy and I take it to a point of being ridiculous and then I think well can I actually make that you know and if I think well yeah I could Um, and actually uh, the building took me three years to make um, and that's from design to actual making and painting And then it's got um, about 125 um, Empire figures on, which took me two years to paint. Essentially, that was going to be my Empire army, um, which never ended up being my Empire army because it's still stuck to the model. Um, But, you know, um, I built that model and then I ended it into Golden Demon 2014. And... um, and I got third place in um, third place Golden Demon in the open competition, which I was absolutely blown away by. Um, it's the first time I'd ever entered Golden Demon, yes, probably whatever. the last time I'll enter as well.
0: Yeah, one hell of an um, achievement. Not many people can say that, but...
2: No, and and you know, the, the, the funny thing is, I, I got that Golden Demon with essentially a terrain piece, um, which is quite amusing. And... It was a year Darren Latham won second place with his Space Walls, and Max, the Ever Metal painter, won with his um, uh, Skating Gutter Runners. So I was I was pretty happy to come behind those two. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's
1: rare yeah. right there. that is. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I was, you know, that's probably the pinnacle um, of my hobby um, today. Uh, and the model is currently sitting on my windowsill.
1: Although I reckon, I reckon, I mean, I I haven't met you in person, but I reckon you could have taken those two out. Do you know what I mean? There's not, do you know what I mean? A quick, you know, even if you just sort of got part of that building, whacked them you know, it seems like a sturdy bit of kit, you know, makeshift mace. You could have run away with the uh, slayer sword. Well, you
2: know... uh... I, I, we we all dream of this little, but you know I'm I'm happy with uh, what I, uh, I, I I got and I got to display the model at uh, Warhammer World in the exhibition as well and and actually one of the, the best parts of that was um, all the Golden Dean winners got invited back uh, two or three months later um, we all brought our models along and you got to meet all the other winners and that's when I first met Graham Shirley um, at Painter by G on Twitter right. and um yeah, I had a really good chat with him, and he had his um, his uh, grot spider there, the arachnarch spider, the red one, which is when you see his. Oh, model, made an
1: appearance at Face Hammer, I think that didn't it, Matt? it Did indeed. yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. When you see when you see his models close up, it's absolutely astounding. I mean, he paints his armies as like almost golden demon pieces. Uh, and he has, you know, golden demon winners within his armies as well. So, um, yeah, if, if bit of advice, if you ever want to win a, uh, a painting contest, uh, a tournament in the UK, find out which ones Graham's going to. Don't go to them. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, oh, I've, I've, I, I don't know if he listens. I'm not sure, but I have, I have, like I said, I, I am. I'm actually not in Swansea at the moment. I'm I'm up in the uh, Rocky Mountains in a in a wooden shack. Uh, Doing my Rocky Four montage with a picture of Graham Shirley on print from a newspaper printout stuck to the mirror. I've got got cardboard cutouts of you and Max, like Home Alone, stuck to a train set, sort of going around the uh, outside of a boxing ring whilst I do uh, one handed push ups in order to uh, train to beat him. But uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't sort of. Sort of say, you know, not for one second, think that I'm actually going to take him out at any kind of uh, competition, but yeah, I don't think he travels down south much, so hopefully. Thank god! Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, and that was that was one thing. I sort of it kind of leads me on to what I was going to talk about in a minute. I guess we can sort of segue onto it now. Was you know, just a sort of uh, you know, the, this whole sort of interviews kind of come from the fact that um, you, as well as uh, a couple of other esteemed uh, members of the community have been sort of helping me out with hints and tips about actually doing a, a a display board for my army. It was something that I spoken to Matt and Ian about quite great length about whether or not you either, you know, with something like that, you either kind of go all in or you, you don't at all, you know, there isn't, I don't think there's sort of half measures really when it comes to doing displays for your army. Um, which, you know, what what kind of led you to, uh, you know, again, another sort of uh, award winning piece was the Moon Clan Grok display board that you did. Um, what kind of led you? Obviously, you've mentioned about the, the Goblin Army that you've been working your way through. Is, was that uh, sort of that display board a result of that or was that display board something you always had in mind when you started the army?
2: Uh, No, um, I I hadn't really considered a display board when I started the army. Um, And the the display board ended up being the way it was because um, it followed the narrative of the army. So when I when I um, started the army. um, First of all, I'll talk about the army because I had a specific plan of what I wanted to do and on what I wanted to achieve with the army now what i wanted to achieve was a best painted award so i listened to all the podcasts at the time and went on blogs to see what were people what were other people doing to win best painted and so i, I made a list of all the things that i had to do to uh, meet the requirements so minimum requirements but also what i needed to do to go beyond those requirements and and also i looked at loads of other people's armies And I looked at um, all the MoonClan or um, the, um, I can't remember what they used to be called now, Um, the Night Goblins, um, looked at all the Night Goblin armies and and looked for inspiration through them. But then I thought, okay, I need to come up with something completely original, which is pretty difficult with MoonClan because generally they have a black cloak and green skin. Okay, you can paint the cloak a different color, but then you know you're radically changing it and maybe that's a step too far um so i changed the color of the 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 spot color if you like the squid color from red to blue um and that gave me the idea of because squigs are fungus then to have blue mushrooms everywhere blue fungus um that then gave me the idea well if they're Uh, fungus-based, they're going to have to be in a forest because obviously the fungus comes from the wood. So rather than them coming from uh, caves and mountains, they were like a uh, forest night goblin um, army, which then when I came round to building the display board, I thought, right, well, okay, it's got to be a forest. Um, And then when I set up the army, on my two foot by two foot square board um, there wasn't any room for anything else literally every model was butted up against each other so I had to come up with a way of making the display board larger than it was which um, resulted in me coming up with separate tiers um, so if you haven't seen the display board it's quite difficult to explain Um, Also, what I did, instead of having the display board flat side to the face, I turned it uh, 45 degrees, so one of the corners is to the front. Doing that gives you a greater depth of board, um, and also it gives you two sides to look down um, uh, forwards, and it gives you a backdrop as well, because you've got the... The ninety degrees at the
1: back, which you can create a backdrop. Um, I think that's um, that's the way a lot of. I mean, I know Grahams was uh, both of his to the last two face hammers have, uh, have have been that sort of, or have been that that orientation. I think um, uh, yeah. Paul Paul Buckles as well, isn't it, with his uh, Rat and rock mat that he had? Um, uh, uh, blackout was sort of diamond shape rather than square on. I think it just gives a. Like you said, it just gives a better – it frames the army a little bit better, I think, especially when you've got bigger centerpieces, whether those centerpieces be terrain or or models. I think that, that works quite well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you said the key word there, frame. Okay, so when you're considering building a display board, all it's doing is framing your army. So, you know, if you think <laughs> that in terms of framing a picture, it's like basing a model. OK, you want it to look good, but you don't want it to be over busy and detract from what its primary function is, which is, you know, a display board is to display the model in in a context which shows off the army uh, and not detracts from it or distracts from it. Um, so with that in mind, um, I had to create a tiered board. So there's elements where you, you, you go down into a cave and then above that, there's the the side where you go up and it rises up, um, uh, tears into the forest canopy, um, and doing that gave me a lot more scope to get a lot more models on, um, and also essentially it's two display boards in one, because what you've got is the the bits on top which you can see is the the forest, um, there with the forest canopy and all the night goblins, so that's all sort of. Dark colors and green. And then underneath in the cave, that's where you've got all the squigs um, and the fungi. Uh, and they're all blue. And also for when I updated the board for the last year's RAW, um, I added um, Christmas lights underneath. So you could actually, because it's quite dark, want people to be able to see underneath. So I added Christmas lights into the ceiling of the cave and put um, blue crystals um, which I picked up from, I think it was uh, Matt's favourite supplies green stuff world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Stop plugging them. <laughs> Do you know I what? Think, I, d- I think I think it was them I, I got them from anyway. But, yeah, so I stuck those on all the Christmas lights, so they, they're all crystals that glow blue.
1: So I just wanted uh, when you mentioned Christmas lights, it, um just reminded me of something it's a little bit of a tangent so bear with um okay. obviously yeah with, with the insp- looking for inspiration for and, and, and kind of techniques i've uh recently uh gotten into um pinterest oh, yeah. and um you know it's quite a good little uh sort of app to sort of go through and save sort of photographs and references and stuff like that but yeah. um just a thing for listeners and i don't know if it's something you've come across bish or or whether you have matt but um if you want to look at some really inspirational uh, terrain building using polystyrene and uh, styrofoam and things like that, um, it sounds really weird, but the, um, uh, a lot of uh, companies and, and shops and, and stuff do um, like Christmas uh, themed boards. Um, I don't know if you see them in sort of gift shops and all the rest of it, where they've got like little Christmas villages and stuff like that. And it's all different tiers and they've got, you know, they sculpted all the terrain and all the rest of it. But there's some actually, actually really good uh, sort of tutorials of the almost sort of like WI Women's Institute kind of whip, uh, ladies whipping up these sort of d- display boards that would actually be, you know, could could almost be repurposed in as far as the the techniques and stuff that they've used for terrain and 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 display boards. I think it's a it's quite it's quite interesting to actually see that sort of stuff. But yeah, the uh, the Christmas light thing that you mentioned kind of reminded me of that. So yeah, just, uh, have a look. Google. Uh,
2: I've seen uh, them. Yeah, I know, exa- I know exactly what you're talking about. There's one with a a lady who's probably in her fifties or sixties. Um, building up paper mache uh, mountains and stuff
1: yeah it's just crazy some of the, yeah, and, you know, the, skills, the stuff in the states you
2: know, I mean the, the thing is the uh, these people have been doing it for years and years and they're absolutely fantastic at it you know they're hobbyists just as much as we are
1: yeah 100 <laughs> percent yeah it' uh, yeah, very uh, quite a quite a weird one there but yeah back to the uh, back to the um the fun
2: guy. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so the display board. Uh, it is. Uh, I mean, I, I got it finished for Raw. What are we know, eighteen. I've been Raw sixteen, um, and I was lucky enough to get. Um, I think I got coolest army, and I, I think I got best army as well because Raw is quite uh, unusual in that it's uh, they have the the best army and the coolest army, which is nice because uh the coolest army isn't always the best painted um, yeah, if that makes
0: sense it's becoming quite common now which is great to see kind of and what i want to say is it isn't fourth place if that makes sense so chris chris tomlin for example won coolest army at face hammer um so yeah. they had one two three best and coolest so some people do something kind of good default going you know, is that fourth place but it's really not it's it's a whole different category um yeah there's a lot more that can go into it and sometimes it's just something that jumps out it seems alive it feels right it's in the right environment it has it feels like it has a narrative behind it not in the the general sense of the word narrative bounced around at the moment but it just feels like a, a almost like a living thing i think that's where i i kind of like the idea of this coming from
1: yeah dressing yeah. up as a cthulhu cultist as well helps doesn't it yeah <laughs>
0: And smoke.
2: Well, funny enough, um, yeah. <laughs> Paul Buckler is very good at dressing up at Raw. He came as um, um, uh, Dorothy last year from the uh, Wizard of Oz, and he had a, a Wizard of Oz themed army. It was absolutely extraordinary. And he actually he walked down Newmarket Street in Cambridge dressed as Dorothy.
1: They used to be down those parts, did not they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It, um, yeah, I've, I've seen his costume for this year as well, so you've got that since 14. Oh,
2: right. Okay, well, yeah, well, that, that's that's happening in three weeks' time, so we'll look forward to that.
0: Yeah, I don't remember.
2: As, as, as a bit bit of an aside
1: as well, there is a, there's is a, I've seen the picture, I don't know if Matt has, but there's a there's actually a picture of uh, our, our very own Mr. Gilmore, dressed as Dorothy, for a, <laughs> for a night. And it's a very convincing outfit as well, so I'm this
0: sure...
1: And I'm not his stag. Do you know Christie's never been married? Um, I think it was just, I think was probably just a, 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 a quiet Thursday afternoon in, <laughs> in Neath, to be fair, knowing Ian. Um, but no, that's, uh, yeah, sorry. So they might have to have a, a Dorothy off uh, a tournament. So uh, look forward to that, listeners.
0: <sighs> yeah, it's a bit disturbing. Yeah. I've got. I've got it's to a good
1: photo. It's a good photo. Yeah, yeah he's, got, he's got the little. Uh, he's got the pigtails. It's very reminiscent. It's a little bit like. Um, I don't know if uh, either of you used to watch Red Dwarf back in the day. Yes. Um, but uh, the one where uh, Rimmer goes mental, and um, he, he dresses up as Mr. Uh, flibble.
2: He's
1: got his yeah. He's got his little gingham dress on and his little
2: pigtail. Oh, the hand
1: puppet. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. He ends in very much very very uh, reminiscent of that. But yeah, brilliant brilliant
2: <laughs> if if anyone is interested in um knowing the materials i use and the process i go through um i've put some pretty extensive blog posts on the merchant miniatures forum um if you go on the merchant miniatures website and then on the right hand side halfway down there's the forum button if you click on there um and then if you go to the hobby section and uh, you go to Bishmeister's Darklands hobby blog. Um, you'll I've posted all the photos in chronological order and um, the processes involved in making the Darklands tables for Salute.
0: Oh, that's really cool! I hadn't actually realised that. I'll I'll link yeah. I'll link to that in the show notes. That that'd be
2: brilliant. Okay, great, and that's quite handy for me because it's you know it documents the process of of what I go through, um, and it's it's more of a uh, it's more to do with the pictures than the words really, but because um, uh, you know a picture speaks a thousand words
0: yeah right, um,
2: and I'll be updating that um, for this year's salute as well because hopefully I'm I'll be making. Um, two Wargames tables for this year's salute but we'll, we'll see how we get on with that one.
0: Oh wow that's, that's doubling your workload or hobby lab, uh, I suppose you could call it.
2: Yeah it, it is um, however the one of the boards is um, planned to be a, a ruined Roman villa um, and I'll be using um, the Rubble City um, from Fenris Games. They had a Kickstarter quite recently um, and fantastic uh, scenery set. Um, and I'll be using pretty much solely that to build an entire 4x4 board um, of a ruined Roman villa. Awesome. So th- that would be fairly quick because essentially all the work's done for me because, um, you know, they're all cast in resin. Um, it's just a case of putting it all together and, uh, you know, making it look pretty. Um, and then the other board, which is. Will be a scratch board. Um, is going to be a Norse harbour, um, which I'm really excited about. Uh, because it's something I've is,
1: is, is that the one you've you done with the the um sort of the modular decking with the magnets, Yes,
2: yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's that's the first stage of it. Well, the drawing was the first stage of it, that's the first part of the model making. Um, but there's going to yeah, be loads awesome. of them. Yeah, so oh, the idea behind that is, you know, it's modular, so uh, you can change around the boardwalks, um, uh, f- whichever configuration you like, um, just to mix it up and make the board a bit more interesting.
1: Yes, yeah, so that looks uh, from, from the teaser you put up. That looks uh, looks really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I did trigger my OCD slightly when you mix <laughs> the uh, the panels and then the grain runs in different angles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was... But, again, that adds to the realism. Um, but, you yeah, know, it looks, looks awesome.
0: Um, yeah. I will say, Sorry, very quickly, uh, Ruined Roman Villa just makes me think of the Spartacus TV series. So you get a massive boner from me for that.
2: Oh, OK. Yeah. Was that the one that was on Netflix? Yes. If you've not watched it, you need to watch it. No, I have watched it. I, I found it incredibly um, uh, bloodthirsty and... Uh, a bit explicit, actually.
0: Yeah, just a little um, bit.
2: But, it, yeah, it was. I thought it was a little bit uh, too much, but, it, you know, it was entertaining.
0: Well, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tits, dicks and gore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm down with that.
2: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, I think.
0: Yeah. Brilliant.
1: Um, yeah, so Christ, uh, well, yeah, well, on on that note, um, yeah, so uh, obviously you've got the, uh, the mere stuff that you're working on. And you're looking to expand your your Moon Clan army with the, with the with all the sort of stuff that you've got waiting in the wings to paint with that. Is yeah. there anything um, sort of apart apart from that? I mean, and again, not not sort of instigate any thoughts of, of buying new armies or anything. But is there anything that uh, you know perhaps is rumored with GW or that we obviously know? Is probably going to happen at one point or another that you're looking forward to, or is there sort of stuff that you think, thinking, oh, you know, I hope they don't release that because it means I'm going to have to start that army because I know, I know I've got a couple, Um and I think it's this. The only, I mean, it's a it's a bit of a blessing and a curse that over the last sort of year or so they've perhaps released armies that I aren't that I aren't that I'm not as um, enthused about because the more they do that, the more likelihood is that they're going to release like three or four in a row that I am. Um, yeah. So the, the portents uh, uh, aren't looking good for me because if they do shadow elves and light elves and Slanesh and, and whatnot all in sort of one hit, which the, the signs are leading to, because obviously they fall into the same sort of narrative, I'm going to have to be very, very strong willed to, so those would be the three, ar- those would be the three armies that, really float my boat is there anything else that you're you're looking forward to i mean not just in aos but some other things i know with the uh, necromander as soon as they um redo the spires uh gangs then that'll probably be something that i'll do as a little bit of a side project but anything else for you
2: uh well i mean i've got countless projects which are half done um i've got hundreds of drawings of buildings that I'd love to build. And, and it's about what what do I really want to do? Um, and because, you know, I've got numerous armies from previous Warhammer editions in boxes um, that I'd love to um, get out. Like I mentioned, the, the Beasts of Chaos. Um, I'd really, really like, if I was going to do a completely new army, i really like to do the Nighthorn. Um, I think the models look great, but mostly because I've planned a display board and a complete wargaming table of a complete Nighthorn necropolis. And oh, right. I'd love, yeah, I'd love to build it. I'd absolutely love to build it, and I've been putting it off and putting it off for years now. Um,
1: so it's I, almost I, like you've, you've sort of come full circle where you've... You know, obviously in the past, uh, display boards have been dictated by the army project that you've been working on. But it's almost like, yeah. well, it is. It's not almost. It is the fact that you've got an idea for an amazing display board that will fit the army. That I mean, was it something that you'd um, thought of before they expanded the range and you kind of thought, this is, this is like 10 Christmases come at once because they've given me all these sort of extra miniatures that I can... Expand the theme upon Or was it It was, it was the release of AOS 2 The kind of catalyst To thinking actually the, This gaming table Is going to Sort of come to life now
2: As it uh, No it's, it's You say it's a bit like It's a bit like Nightmare before Christmas um, Because There's <laughs> it, just There's just so much um, You know uh, So much temptation out there And Well you know As Oscar Wilde said I can resist anything Except temptation um, But It's It's an idea that I I, I had probably five, six years ago. um, And um, essentially what I wanted to do was create a empire um, um, cemetery table. So um, about that time, I went to uh, Vienna and we visited um, Europe's largest cemetery. And it was fantastic, quite eerie. Um, but it was on a massive grand scale. And when I came back, from often lots of my uh, modeling projects were inspired by visiting places and being inspired by architecture and places. Um, so I designed this entire board, which was essentially a massive empire cemetery, um, but with, you know, full-scale architecture in it. And uh, it was about um, the time when I bought the... Um, I can't remember what they're called now. The the, the Con of um the necropolis that Games Workshop sell, the Arcane Ruins.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The one um, with the columns.
2: No, sorry, not the one with the columns. The ones Garden of, of Moor. Uh, yeah that's it, Garden of Moor. And yeah. I actually I actually own six of those. Yeah, it's a good kit. It's a very yeah, good kit. Yeah, and I'd love to do an entire table using those, but also using my model making skills and uh, getting some columns in there and some massive statues. Uh, build a like a half ruins ma- mausoleum. Um, yeah, you know, I'd absolutely love to do that. That'd be fantastic. And actually, they've done something um, heading towards that in the, uh, one of the recent white dwarfs, and I think it's a table at Warhammer World now.
1: Yeah, I think it's the um, yeah. um, with, with the uh, new Soul Wars box. It's uh, yeah, I think it's the table that they've they set the the narrative campaign around, where they've got all the garden and War stuff sort of built into the hills and that. And
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's kind of going the way that I wanted to go because what I really wanted to do was to build a a uh, AOS table or a Warhammer table that was urban as opposed to always fighting on, uh, green fields or, yeah. uh, you know, a rock landscape. I wanted it to be urban with different levels and architecture. Um, it, w- it would, look beautiful. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's sort of getting around to that. Um, and the plan was to do that as, uh, as an empire, um, board, but now night haunts, right? It would be absolutely spot on for night And, um, well, maybe someday we'll see.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Matt, but that, um, you know, if your uh, last couple of projects or last sort of, uh, you know, big pieces or anything to go by, that would uh, certainly kind of set a new standard for for that sort of thing. Um,
0: yeah, just a tad. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, so so apart from that, I mean, is there any other um? You know, I, I like I said with the the I mean the, the high elves and the the Shadow elves, whatever, they kind of... I mean, have, have you ever... Um, obviously, seen seems like uh, with the destruction that, you, you know, you'd have the the, the green skins, as it were, but of uh, yeah. any of those sort of other races sort of tickled your fancy at all?
2: Well, I mean, I, I own a massive probably about a 10,000 point high elf army Uh, and it
1: was a resounding yes then (laughs) Uh,
2: and it it was all classic metal models the gary morley sculpts and the jess goodwin sculpts from the 90s um, which i loved thought they were really fantastic Um, uh, i didn't have any of the 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 multi-pose plastic spearmen or um archers it was all the metal models Um, which I I spent probably a decade or more collecting. um, And then AOS dropped and they don't exist anymore. So I've actually been selling them, um, which I've been making quite a bit of money on, which is nice. Um, But whilst I do like the, you know, I've got a massive Wanderers' army as well, previously Wood Elves. um, I'm trying not to get sucked into buying more armies. And whilst I like the look of them, I have to be realistic nowadays and think, am I ever going to get a chance to get these painted? And most of the time, the answer is no. So I, I don't, I, I'm not tempted by them.
1: Yeah. I and mean, I think I, I've gone through a, I mean, a, every sort of couple of years, I, I want not say a couple of years, I guess. I, so I go through a bit of a, a period where I have to sort of step back a little bit from, Actually, physically doing anything hobby wise, and that's been this last month for me. Um, uh, but what I've tried to do is obviously, you know, with, with your help and with you know, shout out to uh, Mitzi as well, he's been um, sort of hooking me up with a few bits and bobs with this display board. I think he's, you know, he's so, the blue phone man, yeah. Well, that's it, he's pointed me in the right direction again. There, they said they're turning up tomorrow, so uh, Excellent. um. I think, you know, as soon as a sort of decision was made to, to actually, cause I mean, that, that was one of the big things that, um, again, I was sort of talking to, to Matt and, and to Ian about was with this chaos army. Um, you know, do I, you know, do I, do I not, do I just sort of black cloth it when I, when I display it at, at tournaments or do I go all in and, and do a, a you know, a, a, a display board for it and kind of the, uh, the way I've, you know, not to do these things half assed, guys. Um, but <laughs> I, I I thought I've well, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, uh, and I've decided to sort of you know, my first ever display board is gonna be probably one of the most ambitious ones that um you know, I've seen. Uh, it's gonna obviously everyone knows the the theme of the army based around the Bellacore model and having the four different Chaos God armies all we'll plug into that then. Is to have a display board for all four armies uh, based around a theme um, for that army. So, uh, there's each one that I'm working on is going to be a, a recently, recently sort of overrun Azerite, ruiny type of, you know, kind of not not a Sigmarite temple as such, but a, a a a city, you know, a sort of city temple that you'd you'd sort of see the free people in that sort of worship. So it'll have like you know, um, you would have his Storm Castle statues. It's mm-hmm. very, very kind of in, in a similar vein to Chris Peach's display board that he did. so yes. More of mm-hmm. a sort of free people's army. You know, free people's settlement that has got you know certain elements of uh, of things, and that that ties in quite nicely with the the cult aspect of the zinch You know, with the Arcanites sort of overrunning an ar- uh, a city that they've sort of you know that they've uh, infiltrated, as it were. And obviously, Egrim, the character that the Zeench character I'm doing for the army, he's, you know, he was one of the first people to set up Zeench cults in the old world. So it kind of fits that theme as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What I've decided on doing is having each board represent that god's kind of theme, but have a specific terrain that's modular. So um, obviously, we discussed, we had a little bit of a discussion on Twitter about this, but. the key pieces from those display boards will be removable so that when all four display boards are put together, they can be replaced with um, terrain that represents a ruined Varan Spire, which will have, you know, which will be the fact that Belagor's kind of come in from this alternate dimension, killed Archeon, and taken over the Varan Spire. And it'll actually have, I, I tried flogging, I've got an Archeon model that um, I was going to sell uh, secondhand. I've decided to use him as a, he's going to be dead on the display board. So uh, I've got to remodel a full Dorgar and Archeon to be sort of laying at the feet of Bellacor once the, uh, the combined display boards go together. So it's quite an ambitious project, but um, I do appreciate all the sort of help that you give me and the advice and everything. And again, I'm having all the, uh, sort of bits and bobs delivered over the next couple of days. So even though I've taken a break from actually painting miniatures, I'm still doing something to work towards the finished article, as it were. Um, Yeah, yeah, good. You know, know, you're still sort of working towards a project, but you're coming at a slightly different angle. You know, you kind of, uh, you know, I think once I've, I've worked on a little bit of this, you know, doing the terrain stuff that, you know, I'll actually be, you know, I might get bored of that and then go back to painting some of the models or doing some conversions. But I think as long as I'm actually putting energy into finishing the project, I don't think it matters necessarily what part of that project I'm working on at any given time. And I think that's that's one of the beauties of the hobby, isn't it? Whereas if you're working on a project in work, it's very much get one thing done, move on to the next, get another thing done, and you can't really leave things hanging. Um, but with this hobby, you know, if you're uh, like I am at the moment, where I'm kind of getting to the point of bellical where, I think I'm kind of procrastinating in a way because I, I know I'm coming up to the skin, and it's quite a, it's quite a difficult part of the the model to get right. Um, mm-hmm. So th- sort of taking that step back and approaching something else in the project that needs to be done will hopefully allow me to refresh and then you know when I'm feeling a bit more up for it, go back and tackle that other aspect. You know.
0: Well, that's quite yeah. a good little segue, Sorry. actually. I was just going to say, because we've actually got some, those listener, listener questions I mentioned, um, that's kind yep. of, that, that's part of that. So do you want to do some rapid fire kind of listener questions? We've got a slightly yeah, little, sure. bit, bit of a bigger one towards the end. So some of these are a bit silly. So Paul Buckler, um, as <laughs> said, ever speed painted anything, Bish?
2: Um, I try and speed paint um well it depends i mean my speed painting is is probably a lot slower than somebody else's speed painting um but when you're painting about 200 night goblins you have to come up with a (laughs) technique which for you is speed painting so yes and no
0: that's probably efficiency painting i reckon yeah yeah (laughs) um then ben mardles asked have you ever dipped anything
2: uh yes i have um but we're not talking about models are we uh yeah carrot
0: sticks um uh, (laughs) aaron bailey was sent a really weird photo the other day on a a slight tangent of he had some hummus he took to work for lunch and just whole peppers just seem weird
2: oh yeah 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 no I, i grow whole peppers and um i love eating them off the plant pretty much they're so tasty
0: yeah but dipping them in hummus just seems weird anyway so no 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 dipping um I mean, we've got, I can never remember what he said, Dank Commander Chaz. He um, said, how did you end up doing the Mercia Miniature stuff? Obviously, we've covered that. Um, he said yeah. he really loves it. Uh, and he's wondering why, well, why your attempt at making Altdorf in 28mm. We know that as well. So there we go. See, we're answering questions we didn't even know um, what, they, what they would be. Um, but one that Henry's asked, uh, at Hensteel, why do you love the scenery display board making so much?
2: Well, it kind of goes back to my architectural model making days. Sure, and also it's it's that creating that context for the army uh, that you know you, you're putting them you're putting them into an environment, um, and it's about enhancing that army. Um, and not only that, I mean, I my I mean, I love painting models, but I also really enjoy. Um, uh, environment conceptual work, you know. So, I do play computer games uh, rarely, um, but I generally play the open world stuff like Assassin's Creed, and I play it purely so I can walk around and look at the buildings and think, right. okay, what does that look like from this angle and that angle? And I do drawings, and it helps me with my model making. That's a
0: good idea. I like that. It's a great, great
1: visualization tool. That is. That's that's a really good thing to. It's quite a good tip, isn't it really?
2: You know, you swear well, If you and think and of your... these computer games, they've had, you know, tens of maybe hundreds of designers design everything in that. Um, and they, they just look amazing. And if you think, if you could have something like that on the tabletop, something that scale or that detail, that beauty, I mean, be the most amazing uh, war games table.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, i'm actually that's a really good idea and i'm actually going to use that for my super secret army project for raw so people get to find (laughs) out how that worked out
1: there's a new assassin's creed game that's just come out as well that's set in in uh well not to give the game away but yeah almost gave it away but go on
0: spoilers spoilers (laughs) awesome and the last question we had through was from um at hobby conquest um And they've asked, do you design in detail, then build, or start building and adjust as you go along? Um, Do you finish everything you start, or is there a massive pile of unfinished projects?
2: Okay, I'll answer the first question. Um, It's a bit of both. Um, I design in detail. Um, What you want to be doing is doing loads of drawings, and this is what I do. I draw and draw and draw and redraw, and I spend weeks and weeks drawing because it's much easier to... Uh, work out the problems in a drawing than it is to build it in 3D oh right Uh, and you know and you get the through a drawing you get the overall shape and the design that you want um, and then you'll start building it Um, and usually like with the Moonclan display board um, I built it in corrugated cardboard first because I didn't want to go straight in using expensive materials and then realise that it didn't work So I built it in corrugated cardboard, and it didn't work. And then so I adjusted it. I worked out what I needed to do. And once I'd I'd done the maquette in corrugated cardboard, then I could uh, use the expensive materials and get it right with those materials. And when I'm um, building a model or uh, whatever it is, display board or a building, it always changes because... What looks good on the paper doesn't always look good in 3D or doesn't always work in 3D, and inevitably you can't get the amount of detail in a small drawing that you can get into a large uh, building of a a large model of a building. So that changes. And the second question, yeah, I've got a ridiculous amount of hobby projects. I've got um, a scaven blood bowl um, pitch. So, you know, which I really basically... like that.
0: I really, really like that. That really t- ticked my boxes.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's painted, but it's not finished because it's got to be covered in green copper pipes, uh, which I have. I just haven't, I haven't touched it for over a year. Um, but that's that's kind of the way I do projects. Sometimes I I lose my mojo for the project and then have to walk away from it. Uh, I'll always go back to it. Um, like I've got the whole empire town I've been working on. You can't, o- you
1: can't, you can't hear me, but I'm nodding in agreement there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that, I, I've, uh, I've I've been working on it for over a decade. And actually, um, when I went to the Rise of Empires Hobby Hammers uh, um, event um, in um, in Kent, I used that as an opportunity to get a lot of that done because I've got massive city walls that I've been working on for over a decade and I was going to that and uh, I saw that they uh, needed some uh, scenery so I reached out to them and I ended up building 16 or uh, finishing off 16 feet sw- 16 foot worth of um, of castle walls so again that was a really good yeah, um, but you know, it, it turned out nicely. But I've still got probably another twenty feet in my garage, in in the loft, in the garage, in boxes. Wow! So, as well as all the Empire-style timber frame buildings to go with it, which I will go back to someday, but um, not yet.
0: Brilliant. Did you just out of interest? Did you um, talking about the, the the pipe work? Did you use Hearst Arts yeah. moulds for those? Yes, I did. thought you did. That's something I've, I've used in the past as well. Uh, what, did you, what did you use to cast?
2: I used um, low-odour fast-cast resin.
0: Oh, okay, cool. All right, just curious. I've used a and, lot
2: of dental plaster in the past. Yeah, I've, I tend not to use dental plaster because obviously it can chip. Um, yeah. And because it's going to be painted green, once it chips, it's, it's really obvious and... It's something that, um, because it's a gaming board and it's going to be transported, it needs to be, uh, I need to use a robust material, essentially.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's no, just something I've, I've done in the past, so it's just just curious what your approach would be. No, that's yeah. fantastic. Well, well, that's the listener questions we had in. Um, was there anything else you wanted to, to add, Rob? Any final kind of questions for Vish? Well, no, I think,
1: um, you know, I, I, I'd like to uh, sort of track the... Um, the progress of, of, of this display board now. I think it's going to be something that I'm going to get myself into. So I'll get my head down and do. A, I was talking to Bish before we, we started recording, and the, uh, I think it's something that's uh, it's quite easy to sort of pick up and do a little bit. And then, you know, given sort of where my life is at at the moment, um, you know, I don't have a, a masses amounts of free time sitting sit and crack on at something for three or four hours anymore. Or you know certainly for the time being. So um, you know just uh, yeah thanks to everyone for sort of their help and support you know with this and thanks for Bish for coming on. Um, you know it'd be nice to uh, again to I think I might actually uh, start doing a bit of blog work. You know I know that you've been you you've been putting some stuff up with uh, bits and bobs, but I think uh, this is a real sort of project that I want to get my teeth into and um, you know seeing stuff that uh, Bish does and. Uh, Graham does and Steve and yourself and all the other guys, it's just, uh, it's really kind of sort of reignited, you know, after my uh, sort of month or so sabbatical from the hobby that I've Mm -hmm. had over the last four or five weeks, um, you know, it's just been nice to, uh, it's been nice doing this tonight because, you know, just chatting and and all the rest of it just does reignite, you know, reignite the hobby. Oh, so awesome. yeah just just yeah. thank 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 you very much for everyone and thanks for all the questions and thanks Abish, for spending some time to come on
0: yeah no i'm definitely glad we got managed to get this all together so yeah it's been really great um kind of hearing your process as well bish you've given me some ideas and as i said i've got a to toy around with the idea of potentially a display board for raw so yeah <laughs> i may well be using some of this advice
2: Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for inviting me on, guys. It's it's always great to chat about the hobby. Um, if people are interested in seeing the uh, MoonClan Clan um, display board, uh, if you search for Bishmeister on uh, TGA community, um, I'm, I think I updated the blog on there for all the processes involved in that. Yeah. Um, and again, if you go on the the Mercer Miniatures forum um there's a blog on the um the war games tables for the salute um and also i'll be updating that with current progress which i'll also be putting on twitter as well for the um, next year's salute
0: brilliant and twitter as well for you seems to be a really good place to kind of keep up to date with your the projects that you're bashing away at
2: yeah absolutely it's almost it's uh instant gratification isn't it you yeah. know it's you you've you've produced something you want to share it and you know the community on twitter is so supportive and encouraging and you know it's and inspiring as well you know some of the things that people say and some of the things you see um you know it just inspires you to um be a little bit more creative
0: yeah definitely definitely no but it's been awesome to have you on and uh, something we'll do in the future we'll look to get people on uh, kind of again maybe when rob's done a display board so hopefully you know a few years time down the line you're still yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get a dig in there somewhere um and just on a, on a final note i just wanted to say that um, obviously with this podcast we've gone with a kind of a, an 80s retro uh, theme and my absolute favorite um group band at the moment uh, gunship have their new album out on friday which will be the same day that this episode is going out so we'll have a track from that at the end of the episode and please do go and check them out if you like what they're doing go and buy their album because they they, they deserve the support um so that's it they don't sponsor us or anything they're just awesome so go and buy this go and buy the album um but yeah, that's it. That's, that's uh, goodbye from me then. Um, until next time, hopefully have an episode recorded and out next week just to kind of catch us up. Um, but that's that's it for now. Bye.
2: Bye. Hello.